Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul and I'm here with Gar. That apparently is me. Like, this is him. I, I'm not sitting in front of him, but I, I'm 98% sure it is. I am 98% sure it's, that I am it, me. Although after the week, like the last two weeks say, I've had, I am lost I was, in space here. I was going to say, we we are here, but we're not really here. Like, th- this this back to work thing is not going to show you. Me. Oh, it's we the both, worst. I hope there's the, another pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I'm not, and, and I hope, like, I'm not saying I hope people die, but I swear to God, uh, I, I uh, that last 15 months of, like, doing whatever I wanted, doing fucking podcasts out the hole, doing live shows every weekend, drinking cans, talking to the gang in the chat room, having the ski, the best fucking time I've had since blowjobs were invented and now <laughs> i'm like fucking i'm like working like a fucking fool and yeah. then trying to squeeze in research for podcasts and shit like that into like it's very difficult lads yeah this is very difficult doing that. And like you're oh, doing yeah. four days on four days off i'm doing four days on three days off but you have to do all the fucking shit that like normal humans do during the week compressed in into those, those days off yeah because because you won't get to breathe in that block of hours it's as just well not as that, possible my first day off like today is my first day off out of the four and i haven't really it's, it's my days i'm exhausted I i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell you a secret about my days off right so i do four on three off right wait till you hear this in the three days off that i have on the Monday, I have to go into the pub to order stock, right? On the Tuesday, I have to go into the pub to feed the fishes. On the Wednesday, I have to go into the pub to drop the kegs as part of the delivery. So my three days off all involve going to the pub. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, this is, fish have to be fed every day, right? Exactly. This is, a ter- this is a terrible life I found myself in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I could have been a singer... Like me, ma. Like, <laughs> I, I swear to God. And, and I was for a while. I should have just kept going. I could have been an absolute burnout. Mm. You know what I mean? And I would have been better than this. This is shit. But still, I, thank you to I, everybody who came into the pub and is keeping me entertained. Like, yeah. <laughs> that part of the, the job is great crack seeing people and talking. But then some fucker I don't know was like, can we go four points of Guinness? And I thought, oh, I have to actually work now. Yeah. Oh, it's shit. I was, I was supposed to go into you uh, like a week, two weeks ago. That's right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I genuinely thought I had COVID. Like I had uh, sort of a fevery feeling. I had um, a sore throat, and even though I know exactly what this was, my brain was still going, "Yeah, but what if it's not?" So I have that thing where um, post nasal drip, where all the gick goes back to you instead of out uh, the front yeah. of your nose, yeah, back yeah. down your throat, and it actually makes you more exhausted than you can ever oh, imagine. Yeah. Really, you should have uh, came in tro- anyway if you had COVID, given it to me, and I would have got a bit of time off. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I had you to shut the whole fuck. pub down for a fucking two weeks. I would have loved that. <laughs> we could have done some Lost Heart Live from the gaff, you yeah. know, smothering. It wouldn't have mattered, you know. I, honest yeah. to God, I hope I get it now. I'm not going to lie You see, it's, it's the only way you'll get an extra bit of time. It's yeah. actually, the irony of it would be to get that, yeah. I went a whole 15 yeah. months without even getting a fucking cough or a sniffle. And I, I'm dying for a big healthy dose for now. Not like... Like fucking like ventilate a job or anything like that, you know. Just one of them's like one of them in the bed sweating. That's what I want. Do you, know, do you know what's annoying me as well? Do you know when like I don't know like if somewhere we get catering, so this is kind of a weird example because mm. I'm not talking about my job, but um, but I will be talking about my job in a minute. And do you know when like you get they have extra food, they just give it out. Yeah, they did that with fucking COVID tests in my job. I was like shit. I oh, think for real, whatever way it worked, like 
we weren't going to be in. We came, we're coming in on the Saturday. Yeah. So they had to give us two tests in the one day. Oh, and I honestly oh. think it's, just, or not the one day, we do two tests, we do a spit test. Brutal. And in, in the same week, I mean. And then I thought, oh, I get it. So when we go back to next week, we won't have one because we did it the day before. No, they're just using them up. Yeah, we just fucking did have to do that. And it's just almost like they have a contract and they need to like keep these people busy by mm. stabbing us in the face. And man, some of the techniques are great and some of them are not great. I haven't oh. got one of them tests yet. Thank fuck. I'm never going to because I'm getting me. Yeah. I'm going in for my job tomorrow. By the time people hear this, I will have half of my jobs over and done with. Like, there's a very good chance I'm never going to get me fucking brain scratched by one of them big, like Johnson & Johnson earbuds. Like, very good chance. <laughs> I'm not getting me fucking me brain scratched. Like, um, I hope not. I wouldn't be into it. I, I had, like, I hadn't got. They did a throat as well, mm. and I saw. Remember that video of that guy pulling up and like t- overboard, like. Yeah. Uh, uh, in I think it was it was in Ireland, wasn't it? I think. I don't know that video, that famous video. Remember we watched it. There's a guy like yeah, yeah, man, like going fucking batch it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'd never gagged, and when they put that thing in my your woman had an aggressive one, went like this and rolled it around the back of my throat, and yeah. I was like, "You need to spend a bit of time in the joy, man, to get that out." Yeah, the sound that came out of me didn't <laughs> sound like me. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, a few months in prison, man, knocked that right out." Yeah, no problem. Anyway, we should probably tell people what episode we should we're doing. tell tell the people what we're doing. We are doing an episode called Weird 90s, and it's about the alternative avant-garde weird songs from the 90s that yes. did not fit into grunge uh, from an alternative MTV-style scene. Yeah. Um, that the, a, lot of them, a lot of these are one-hit wonders. A lot yeah, of them were, much, yeah. because they were like, MTV in the early 90s was seeking out these weird songs. Yes. Like Nirvana, like Alice in Chains are amazing, but they don't have any weird songs. No. They're not silly. They're not like... Uh, Salvador Dali in the form of yeah, music like some yeah, of these yeah. songs are yeah. these are just uh, basically the equivalent or the, or the result of loads of lads sitting around getting stoned and writing a stupid song on a crap guitar pretty much I, I have a theory about this about music in general and I think me and yeah. you might have talked about this before and I think that <coughs> in the 60s there was a big kind of artistic movement towards making music weird, okay? But they weren't necessarily... Yeah, yeah, because you're right about the 60s. That's the first thing I thought yeah. of. The only other time this has happened is the 60s. Pretty much. So I think the 60s, what happened was people got really weird about music, but they weren't doing it for weird sake, okay? I, th- I think they were trying to be experimental. They were trying to get a little bit yeah. artsy-fartsy. Now, that definitely moved into the 70s, but they didn't necessarily get weirder. The songs just no. got longer when you think about yeah. it. Right, so the sixties you get a four minute weird fucking kind of like uh, weird avant garde kind of backwards guitar type of loop, and you're like that's fucking really weird. And then the seventies hit, and they're like let's make that twelve minutes long. And then yeah. the eighties comes along, and the eighties is where pop music is absolutely perfected. Right, you've yeah, got like yeah. fucking amazing, like real good proper bands like Susie and the Banshees and stuff like that, making it into the top ten. And um, but they all kind of grew up listening to the sixties and seventies weird shit. So there's a little, there's tiny little elements of that in there but the time you get to the 90s then you've got everybody who was raised on this kind of diet of 80s and 70s bands who are all based upon um who would all be kind of weird elongated forms of these weird experimental 60s bands so the yeah. 90s were like well now you can buy weed everywhere and we're probably not going to get our fucking arms chopped off for buying like 50 quid bag of weed or whatever it is and we can drink beer all day and places are open 24 hours 
So why don't we just get yeah. extra fucking weird for the I, sake of getting weird, not for artistic I, merit? But yeah, so I think I know what you mean. Like the people in the sixties would have had kids, yeah, and them kids would have been like born the eighties. But if they're born in the eighties, they're only making music in the nineties, exactly. And exactly. that's yeah, that's so they grew up right. listening to this shit. But instead yeah. of like trying to kind of progress the weird artsy farty style they just get fucking stupid like the 90s i mean yeah. there, there were there were definitely novelty songs in the 80s but in the fucking 90s like the 90s is where it, the kind of novelty is weaponized to a degree and then you get a lot of bands like what we're talking about what kind of alternative rock bands who are looking at these kind of novelty songs and l- they grew up listening to experimental stuff that's based upon 60s stuff they're born in the yeah. 80s listening to the pop music they're like let's mash all this together and see if we can't make and ourselves I, a lovely one hit wonder drugs definitely plays a part Absolutely. In it. and i think uh, now that you're talking now there's a kind of talk coming into my head that there's also a slight bit of rebellion in it. And so 60s music was rebelling against the 50s music, yep. 100% that pop. Yep. And it's undoubtedly that 90s music was rebelling against 80s pop. Yeah. 100% Absolutely. has to be like this. Because a lot of it was corny, new romantic stuff. But <laughs> I personally love it, but I yeah. can see why some bands didn't. And it was like, this is all getting too calculatory. Yeah, because uh, I, I remember in the, in the late 80s being a very young child and every single song that came out was like a synthesizer kind of new wave song. For a good mm. two, three year period of my very young youth, uh, kind of when I start actually noticing music on the radio, like everything yeah. was fucking like Visage or Erasure or Pet Shop Boys or yeah. whatever. It was all blippy bloppy shit. You, you didn't hear uh, a guitar until the fucking 90s, like. Yeah. You know like, what I yeah, mean? Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of it, even though I absolutely love it, wasn't very subversive and it wasn't no, very... Uh, no anti-disestablishment just club bangers essentially hang on anti-disestablishment yeah yeah <laughs> i just i said ended up saying that whole word that longest well word a- anti-disestablishment will be pro-establishment so you'd be looking at just oh yeah shit my brain yeah yeah, yeah. that's the one of be my brain i, I don't know how i caught that either my brain's fucked as well savage yeah. um so these are songs that we heard in the 90s that we were like i what love the, the weirdness of that yeah this exactly. is like i was saying it's like uh, a, a bit subversive a bit uh, sarcastic yeah. comic book music because look at the covers of all these they look like comic books a lot pretty much yeah, a lot of them are drawings or computer imagery of some description yeah. I mean there was a big movement and, and uh, I, I bet my bottom bollock here that uh, if you went and looked at the if they have them music videos for these they're almost all done in some sort of cartoony style I know a lot of Love. mine are yeah yeah a yeah. lot of them are um, so I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say dollars to donuts there. But no, you bottom bollock is me new one. I bet my bottom bollock. <laughs> That's good. Because yeah. it was one of them is always a bit lower than the other in our, at our exactly. age. Exactly. Your uh, whole life. Unless you're so in full who, walnut mode, there's one hanging lower. Apparently, it's like 80% left one is a bit lower. I think it's eighty really? percent of men's left bollock hangs a little bit lower, and that's a tactical advantage in case you get squished. They can slide off each other without getting smushed. Yeah, I read about this. Oh, we could just talk about that for a while, but we can't. Who's your fourth one? My fourth one is actually probably the least weird song on this playlist, but I'm putting it up because when I heard it, uh, uh, I didn't like it because it was so fucking stupid. And it's "Beautiful Freak" by Eels. Yeah, Eels are a bit of a weird nineties band, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So I was reading a little bit about it. So formed in Los Angeles, nineteen ninety one, by uh, Mark Oliver Every. Oye. E goes under the name of E. Yeah. Um, he'd attempted like a little kind of solo run 
under under the uh, a project called the Man Called E or a Man Called E, and uh, I think he put out a couple of albums under Polydor before he was released, and they were like, "Nah, get the fuck out of here! It's not selling." Uh, mostly because he can't really sing, not really. Um, yeah, he's uh, he kind of is. Uh, he sounds like a, a drunk person singing in on his yeah, own in the corner. Yeah, mm. um, I, I I don't think he's like super talented right this is me personally and i honestly don't think he's super talented but what i do think is that he has uh, he he seems to have kind of a knack for hitting the right notes at the right time um kind of socially so i remember when when the album beautiful freak came out and this was like the last single off that album that was fucking susan's house and um fucking Nova came for the soul and stuff like that there was actually a bunch of solo a bunch of singles off this that uh, I, yeah, I it was never a huge album I remember yeah. yeah Your Lucky Day in Hell was another one Rags to Riches I don't I don't fucking remember any of those songs I remember no. Susan's House I, re- I don't I only remember that this or, uh, this and Nova came for the Nova came. I remember Susan's House going over to Susan's House she's gonna make it right some shite anyway because yeah. it, it was all this weird sample based kind of lo-fi shy and I, I remember when it came out I was like how the fuck is this so big like why the fuck is this so yeah. big and uh, it was blowing my mind because like this is this is what 1991 this came he, uh, the band formed in 1993 I think this fucking album came out 1996 apologies 1996 this album comes out and all these singles started and 1996 was earlier than that. yeah so did I it was 91 the band formed but the first album um, after he got dropped by Polydor he got together with some mate of his, a guy called Butch, who was a drummer, and uh, who apparently is a professional bird caller, like bird whistler, and oh. uh, decided to start putting together a project. And the name Eels was chosen because apparently it was something fucking weird. Like Polydor still owns the rights to his stage name of E, so he wanted to make sure that his name, yeah, because that's his stage what? name E. His real name was Mark Oliver Everett. But he went under the name, the stage name E, just the letter E. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> but, think they would. I didn't think they would own anything to do with that. Uh, well, apparently, what happened was he chose the name Eels, not their Eels, just Eels, so that his new project of Eels will be listed beside his name of E on like right. uh, catalogs for record companies. Right. Yeah. Um, we talked about this before. The way Lincoln Park's name was chosen, so it would show up beside Limp Bizkit. This was a big deal, apparently. If you could get right. your name, like the fact that he was signed to Polydor, apparently was a big deal. The fact that it was dropped, he was keeping quiet, and he was trying to get this new project out before anybody even realised he'd been dropped by Polydor. You know what I mean? So uh, I remember this coming out, and I bought the album. I actually still have my original CD that I bought. If it hasn't succumbed to that fucking plastic rot that loads of CDs um, rotted away from from the, from Jeez, the kind of yeah. early mid nineties, um, it's still check, here. I need to check. I need to check that. Loads that happen? Of them. When when does it happen? Like it's <laughs> happening around now. Apparently. Yeah, it started happening about three or four years ago from like early nineties CDs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they have like a weird half life. Uh, a lot of them will still play. They just they get real brittle, and eventually they will just literally disintegrate. It'll just fall apart in your hand. Um, it doesn't happen with records, folks. I'm telling you that now. It doesn't even happen with cassettes. <laughs> it only happens with fucking CDs. Doesn't um, happen with SS files either. Exactly. Yeah. Well, until you fucking yeah, your computer dies and takes everything with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I remember the song coming out. And I remember going like, "This is just such a fucking weird." 
kind of stupid song. And even to this day, I listened to it again there 20 minutes ago. I was like, why is this song so fucking big? Why is this band so big? It, I think it's strictly because it was so fucking weird and strange and so lo-fi. And it's just, nothing really happens in it. It's got this kind of organ. Kind of shy and him. Like, it's a shit kind of Tom Waits impression that he does. Because I always considered him to be like, fucking the American Jarvis Cocker except Jarvis Cocker has a million times better that's writing not, songs that's not a bad example actually or yeah. not a bad uh, comparison that, actually that's yeah. the way I always thought about him you know he's got like the project that's a band name is pretty much kind of him you know but yeah. Jarvis Cocker can really fucking kill our shit as we talked about a couple of weeks ago with This Is Hardcore yeah. and stuff he can, he's able to pull out his hole now this dude he like he can write songs but like he's more especially with this stuff when you go and listen to the stuff that's big for them it's all kind of quirky and off off putting and it's kind of designed to just fill a gap in the market at the time for people who don't want big club bangers or anything like that. It's just kind of yeah. lo-fi, cool, cool dude, brown corduroy wearing fucking dude shit, you know what I mean? And I fucking hate you. So I picked it for weird nights just to open up the floodgates because it, it, it gets so much weirder after this. So I just wanted to have something that was like <laughs> just quirky for the sake of quirky as opposed to just straight up fucking weird. So um, yeah, I can't... There's just something about this this entire album that just kind of bothers the shit out of me. Now, it was produced, this is weird, it was produced by one of the Dust Brothers. And, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know this either. So, uh, I can't remember what fucking what, Mark, was it? Was his name Mark? One of the Dust Brothers, anyway. And, uh, I just know that they did the, the Fight Club soundtrack. Fight Club soundtrack. The, the, the Dust Brothers were not far off being behind a good chunk of, like, everybody's favourite albums. Like... Uh, Beck, mm. Devil's Haircut, New Pollution, fucking Beastie Boys, uh, Paul's Boutique, um, obviously the Fight Club soundtrack, doing stuff with Linkin Park, doing stuff with Tenacious D, um, well, Santana, they were producers on that stupid Santana album. Doing <laughs> um, that sells seven bazillion seven copies. Seven bajillion, zillion, quadrillion fucking copies, yeah. Super, um, supernatural. I remember, I swear <laughs> to God, man, I swear to God when that came out, I was like, I remember it's like Black Magic Woman and all that yeah. songs there. And I heard like oh, Santana has a new album coming out and everyone's mad excited about it. I was like, yeah. Santana. Santana. Like, Do you remember? I out of nowhere. Guy, yeah, out of nowhere. And the yeah. guy had like Rob Thomas from Matchbox yeah. 20 here. I was like, what is happening here? It's a world that's topsy turvy. I blew me mind. And all of a sudden, the biggest album of. Like, it's, it's, you know what this reminds me of? The album equivalent of the movie avatar it is <laughs> huge but i have no recollection of it and i yeah, don't ever want to about. listen to it or watch it yeah yeah I, I i'm gonna tell you straight up see that santana album never heard a fucking note off it bar that rob thomas song but same same and I'm, I, not, I'm, I'm never going to no i'm just never going to uh, oh, i did find something cool here we go well, that's what we should do review that album oh well Listen to fucking Santana's, whatever it's called, Supernatural. No, yeah, because we couldn't figure out an album that neither of us had listened to fully so we could appreciate it. People were, people's suggestions to us, I was like, oh, you've, you were like, oh, I know that kind of well. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, I don't. So, oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. We just stumbled upon it. i tell you what I did stumble right. upon is that there was a massive beef between the Dust Brothers and the Chemical Brothers. Did you notice? No, but I remember making it. There was a confusing. There was a confusing thing because Chemical Brothers have a, a song called "Dust or Exactly, something like that. What it, it was it made my life really hard to configure <laughs> what something like that. When the Chemical Brothers first started, they called themselves the Dust Brothers, oh, even right. though the Dust Brothers existed. 
Oh, forced, right? They just lifted yeah, them. Yeah. They just said, "No, yeah. we'll call ourselves the Dust Brothers." The Dust Brothers are like one hundred percent a real thing. Like, like they, not only do they produce albums for people, they make like music from movies and TV shows and stuff. Yeah, like, they're a I duo. just remembered. I just remembered what Chemical Brothers' first album title is, and now that makes sense. So apparently, what had happened then is. Uh, those brothers like sent them some sort of cease and desist and lads like to, f- to fuck like we're here like and you're like you can't claim ignorance because like you've already claimed that you're massive fans you can't just call yourselves those brothers like you just can't so they call themselves chemical brothers and then they like they remix loads of stuff for those brothers and they asked them to come in and help them produce stuff and they kind of became not best those but Oh, they were actually. I didn't know. I, I didn't. I. I can't like there was that. beef there. Like there was beef, and they figured it out. Right. Way anyway, right. that's we're not talking about Dust Brothers. Talking their 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 Chemical Brothers first album is called Exit Planet Dust. Yeah, that's there you go. Okay. So maybe that was like a, um, a good boy to the name or something. Yeah. So yeah, Mark Oliver Everett, aka E, aka uh, aka Eels, um, which is how we wanted it. Apparently, uh, <laughs> stupid fucking weird song that I hope I never hear again. Personally. Well, you have to play it. Uh, yeah. Oh. So you have to hear it now. <laughs> oh. You're such a beautiful freak. I wish there were more just like you. You're not like all of that is why I love you Beautiful freak, beautiful freak That is why I love you Beautiful freak, beautiful freak It's a stupid fucking song and I'm not listening to any more of it um, I'm not a fan of that song. It's just it's it's so designed to be quirky for the sake of quirky. You can tell that that song was written at like double that speed, and it probably would be ten times better. You know what I mean? If I had a bit of a fucking swing to it, you know, beautiful freak, beautiful freak, yeah. and, or, or whatever. And it's like, no man, chop it down like the set, like take seventy five percent the speed out of that, and it'll sound real spooky and weird, and we'll have like the little organ and clavicle style thing going on, and like. Like a, yeah. a Casio keyboard on demo mode, it's just stupid. I fucking hate it. Who's your first one? My first one is "Detachable Penis" by King Missile. Well, Remember this? Almost. This was for me one of the uh, for this was this was the song I think possibly that got me into the weird the weird songs, like as in in the nineties. So I didn't know much about weird stuff really. I'd heard mm. some weird sixties stuff as a kid, but. This was the song, and I remember where it was from, and it was from a show that introduced me to most of these songs, mm. and that was Beavs and Butthead. Big time. So, Beavs and Butthead was just amazing. It was the first goggle box, if you think about it, because mm. you're watching their reactions to things, uh, and and even if you... I didn't know a lot of the music, and if I did know it, I was curious to see what they thought about it. So, you're literally watching two lads watching MTV, and yeah. that's definitely 100% goggle box before goggle box ever Ah, existed. yeah, yeah, yeah decades but um this song particularly stuck out to me and whenever i tried to write music in the early 2000s with my mates it would always sound something stupid like this Mm. like ridiculous dumb where you don't have to put any 
taught into your emotions in the lyrics because they're so far away from what you're doing. Yeah. This is just a song about a man who lost his penis <laughs> because he has a detachable one and he takes it off sometimes and puts it back on and he loses it sometimes. And the whole thing is a, start, a story <laughs> about how he has to go through town to retrace his steps from the party to find <laughs> out his... To find his so, yeah, King, uh, King Missile um, are a band that um, started in the 80s and this song is from 1992. Like I said, the first time I heard it, I'm not even going to pretend I heard it before that. It was on Beavis and Boyhead, 100%. Yeah. Um, it's one of those songs that drones along. It doesn't change chord or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just, well, it changed chord. It doesn't change, like, the, the, there's just one melody going through the whole thing. And uh, there's a really nice organ, in, no pun intended, a really nice wait, organ wait, 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 that wait. comes into it. Uh, so give this a bash, because the only problem is it's really hard to turn this song off because you want to figure out what happens in the end? Book one, give it a, a go. that song i Fucking love it wow absolutely love it it sounds the last two songs sound uh a little actually no i can't mention them because i just added them to the playlist uh, <laughs> and then i had to go back and fix it uh this um like i was reading up about this today and there's a lot of like interpretations of like people going is this song about like dim, uh like self-emasculation and mm. like and they were just like no <laughs> what are you talking about no, stupid song. Uh, it's fairly like, straightforward, I think. It's, 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 but is it like like losing your penis is losing your masculinity? They were just like, yeah, man, we were fried writing that. It's a, bit, it's a bit story about a guy who can take his dick off and, and, and rent it out and sell it and bring it back again. Um, I don't know what else to say about this because it's another sort of... A lot of these are kind of... Oh, I don't want to use this term, but one hit wonders but they are yeah a lot of these are kind of one hit wonders king missile definitely detachable penis i don't know any other song by them i remember listening to the album <laughs> which i think is also called king missile no it's called happier mm. uh uh and being like yeah some of it's all right but it's not detachable penis <laughs> um in the end well you'll have to listen to the playlist to find out what happened in oh, yeah. the end um, that's important. King Missile, King Missile, Detachable Penis. Who's your next one? My next one is Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly. 
Oh, definitely. Has to go on this. Yeah, yeah. Or, or AKA Green Jello before Kraft, um, the food manufacturer, stepped in and said, You can't call yourself Green Jello. There's a lot of soon going on, isn't there? Fierce amount. Um, <laughs> so, did, this song came out around about the time they actually called themselves Green Jelly. They've been floating around, they, they formed in 1981. Like, they've been around forever. Um, and they're kind of more of a collective. There's been hundreds of members in the group. The only kind of consistent is this, uh, consistent um, member is the singer, a guy called uh, Bill Manspeaker. He calls himself Bill Manspeaker. And uh, he's not always even doing the vocals. Like uh, right. Maynard Keenan James from Tool has been a singer in Green Jelly. Um, <coughs> Danny Kerry from Tool was the Green Jelly drummer before he joined Tool. Yeah, and true. there's been literally hundreds of members not all of them are known because they all go a lot of them go under kind of pseudonyms and stage names and stuff like that and they don't want to let people know that they were in Green Jelly because they're more like a comedy kind of throwaway fun kind of band this album is off an album called Serial Killer (coughs) or Serial Killer soundtrack whichever way you want to put it and what's kind of weird about them uh, about this album in particular is that they've been messing around putting out their own music for years on their own little label and apparently they went to like BMG or one of the one of the labels they said we've got this new thing we want to try and we think you'll be into it because MTV are huge at the moment we want to do a video only album and the label were like fuck yeah there's fifty thousand dollars just go and make it so they went off and they recorded the, an album. Every song had a video, is it? Every single song had a video, and oh, you could man, only dude. buy it on VHS. Like, so you couldn't ever listen to this album if it wasn't on. It came out on CD released? about a year oh, later, yeah, um, yeah. only because this song, uh, Three Little Pigs," randomly out of nowhere, just well, they played on on a couple of radio stations a few times for fun. And it took off. People were like, play that fucking song again. That's really, really cool. And then yeah. they kind of just build up a bit of a following and they had to release it on CD. But originally, if you wanted to listen to it, even the single, you had to buy a VHS um, that had the song and the video on it. That was the whole... And it was a claymation video. Uh, weird claymation video. The lyrics were written in 1989. So he had, he had this sitting around in his pocket for years and years and years like this album comes out in 1993 so like the lyrics were written four years in advance and apparently what used to happen is, is this guy Bill Manspeaker would do this a lot where like he'd get locked or stoned and sit there with a notepad and just write absolutely batshit mad fucking lyrics to like songs that didn't exist yet so when a lot of the lads got together and started messing around with music he'd just pull out one of his notepads and he'd kind of have ready written lyrics to kind of apply to the song and yeah. that's kind of where this came from so apparently what happened was there's a lot of pushback with kids that wanted to buy the Three Little Pigs song to play at home and I went into the record store and they were like yeah there it is over there and they're like yeah but that, that's a videotape that's the only way you can get it <laughs> like you have to buy that videotape and it was priced I think the same same price as like a CD or, or, or a cassette or whatever but it was a fucking VHS tape that's cool uh, uh, every single song on the album had a video had a music video and then they released, I think, uh, like a, a, the album, essentially, on VHS separately as well. And about a year later, then it comes out on CD. Um, they had to eventually. If it's they had to eventually. The record label were like, so exactly. this idea, yeah, we're turning that on the CD. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's pretty obvious what the lyrics are about. It's, it's a retelling of the Three Little Pigs um, story. And he kind of rewrote it so there's like dope smoking pigs and, you know, educated 
pigs and the wolf comes along. Oh, so stupid. I love it. Stupid. The wolf comes along to blow their houses down, but then the the pigs have hired Rambo to kill the wolf and all. It's fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid. It's so weird, um, which I suppose kind of makes sense because we're talking about weird songs. I'm going to play a bit of it now, <laughs> uh, yeah. just in case somebody haven't heard this, but this, this back in the day, this was fucking huge. Like, this is you can a actually hear Maynard James Keenan on it really clearly. Actually. Yeah, he does voices of the pigs. Um, of yeah. not all the pigs, believe it or not, I think Maynard does. He maybe, does the little pig, little pig, let me in bit. Yeah, he does. He does the little pig, little pig, let me in bit. He's the voice of one of the pigs, and then Polly Shore is the voice of another pig in this song as well. Mm. Um, it's fucking stupid here. <laughs> Why don't you sit right back and I, I may tell you a tale, a tale of three little pigs and a big, bad wolf. fucking mad it's so mad that that's what we were listening to like yeah it, it doesn't you try to explain to people like the shit we had to go through in the 90s like honest to god it was like music war you never knew what was going to be good or bad or just fucking bat you and depending on what age you were like when i was like 13 or something like that i would have thought that was one of the greatest things of all time like I'd listen to it yeah. and I would have remembered all the words and the second it came on I would have been stomping around the gaff singing along with it. Yeah. And now I'm like it's so fucking terrible. I hope no one ever hears me singing that song like. Really? Like I, yeah, ah. I just it some things are so weird for me. Like and that's one of them that like I hope like how do I even put this? <laughs> They're so strange and so weird that they, they uh, almost makes me embarrassed that I know about them. Do you know what I mean? It's like your weird mate that you bring out and like he starts talking about fucking Stanley Kubrick faking the moon landings or something to a lot of people who've never met him before and you're like, please don't listen to me, mate. Please don't listen to him. And you're telling him to shut the fuck up. That's what this I feel the, like. This is the kind of music you listen to uh, with your mates after you watched Bill Hicks. Almost certainly, yes. <laughs> almost it's, certainly. It's, um, like it was around that era. Yeah. Uh, like, someone had a shitty fucking, whatever, one-hour compilation of Bill Hicks parts or whatever, and you sit around at, like, two o'clock in the morning after getting back in the pub, when your mate's nose is bleeding, somebody has four cans of Dutch gold, and you're trying to figure out how to split them, you know? There's three cigarettes left in the Johnny Blue box, and yes. someone has this fucking on CD or tape. Yeah, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. And you listen to it three times... <laughs> And you listen and to you, something and, else. And, and, and there's a part of you that thinks you're better than all the other people <laughs> around course. you. Of course. You and your mates are like clever, but you are just happen to you not just be all the exact same. Yeah. And I've got, it, hits, <laughs> it hits about five o'clock in the morning, someone puts on Alice in Chains, and then that's enough for everybody just kind of depress and relax. I'm going yeah. to bed. And that's it. 
that's it you know what I mean that, I summed up yeah. <laughs> I just summed up a night out in the 90s for you there um, yeah Three Little Pigs with Grinch it's fucking it's batshit mad it's absolutely batshit mad um, yeah I love it I do have that I had that on CD uh, somewhere and I think if I remember correctly most of their songs are equally as fucking stupid and weird <laughs> that was kind of their gig that they were like a, a humorous kind of rock band they weren't necessarily trying to be super serious because yeah. it was a collective they didn't really have a set direction either and they kind of jumped around and off lot. but yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. so fucking weird it really just is just go with it <laughs> just, just exactly just eat the bowl of Cocoa Pops before four in the morning and go with it um, mm. who's your next one? my next one was going to be Loser by Beck because it encapsulates uh. the entire it encapsulates the entire uh, episode that we're doing today mm. um, and it is like one of the songs that launched MTV alternative anyway sorry the alternative side mm. of the 90s MTV we all know the 80s it was Michael Jackson um, but I picked a song that is taking the piss out of Loser by Beck because mm. I think that this is a better song yeah. the, the song that's taking the piss out of Beck's Loser I think is a better song than it and it is Pepper by Butthole Surfers. Uh, and they uh, they don't like this song because it wasn't supposed to be anything. This song was huge. Yes. An absolutely monstrous song. And it, it kind of went against everything that they were about being that big. Some bands like just care so little that yeah. that effect, that kind of emits a lot of coolness that yeah. people get attracted to. And then if people get attracted to them, they're not as uh, like rare anymore. It's weird. It's a weird thing. That happens like that dynamic, hmm. where if a band doesn't really care about being famous, uh, exudes this coolness that makes them famous. Yes, and then they're like, "Where the fuck did that leave us?" So, um, this came out in 1996. Uh, like I said, it's a sort of not not a not an aggressive piss take of, yeah. of Beck. Beck just happened to be doing stuff after Bohol Surfers was already doing this kind of music. Yeah. And I think Bohol Surfers were kind of like, oh, fuck it, we're going to take the piss out of this lad now. We were doing this music for a lot longer than this. And this is not that we're saying, it's just me mm. presuming. Another cartoon album cover as well there. It's all cartoony stuff that we're doing. Very uh, much so. Today. Um, well, I suppose you think about the, it, a lot of this music would have been aimed towards the kind of slacker generation of the 90s. Yeah, and a lot of that would have been be, doodling like and notepads like and watching cartoons. Bands, like a lot of bands that used to be hardcore band yeah and then they were like let's let's like talk about funny shit while doing exactly. that and then the stage shows got mental apparently like really absolutely mental yeah um jello biafra is the one who found them as far as i know oh. when he was watching them so this was uh years before they had this big hit this song um went to number one in the billboard modern rock tracks that's mm. mad that that went to number one. So give it a listen now. You'll feel yeah. the, the loser vibe off it. Uh, the chorus, wait till you get to the chorus. It's is, really good. It's yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Bobby was a racist, they were all in love with dying, they were doing it in 
Drum kit sounds so fucking good as well. It's that nineties healthy. Well, it's, that's almost what Beck sort of used in, yeah. <laughs> in Loser. That kind of jangly yeah. thing. Yeah, it's really um, loose and fucking, but it's full as well. The kick drum has a bit of tone. The to second, it. yeah, the second time the uh, chorus comes around, he really puts loads mm. more effort into it, which is not like Beck at all, really. Uh, so there's a lot of Beck like songs on this. Mm. I, I didn't want to put Loser on it because it was almost too obvious to pick the, <laughs> the king of the weird nineties songs. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely in the mix, but it might be too obvious, yeah. Yeah, and we don't like to be too obvious on this mm. podcast. You know what I mean? So it is. So um, they uh, influenced Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, yep. which is on record. Uh, they toured with them then. It came oh. back around. So kind of weird, like influenced them, then ended up touring with them. And then he dropped out of the tour. Or after the tour, He, the singer, uh, Gibby Haynes, checked in. T- he was so bad take, at taking speed like addicted to it that he had to check into a, a rehab facility that Kurt Cobain ended up at after wow. as well at the same time so they were just kind of bound to be bouncing around in each yeah. other's lives for a while but that's Bohol Surfers they have loads and I mean loads of deadly songs that's not a one-hit mm. wonder at all well yeah, yeah. They, they, people will consider them if you read one of those like I don't know blabbermouth articles one-hit yeah. wonders yeah. of the 90s no they were around for, a, for, for fucking ages like yeah they've had so much their videos are incredible they have loads of deadly songs so check them out Defo. Uh, that's that's Bohol Sorvers Pepper who's your next one my next one is Pretty Fly for a White Guy by The Offspring right <laughs> this is uh this is not really a terrible song, but it's so... Like, I was mad into The Offspring in the early 90s. Um, obviously, like, Smash came out, and Smash is a fucking fantastic album from start to finish. Yeah. Um, Ignition before it's a fantastic album. Offspring, Offspring before it is, is good. It's a little bit raw. Um, but to, uh, being honest with you, after Smash came out, I think the next one was X9, The Hombre. It, don't, it didn't do much for me. Uh, it felt like they'd that embraced... Song, didn't it? Did that have the kids are all right? And I can't remember. I had something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, there was like, it was a bit like Megadeth for me. Like after, after, uh, um, after wasn't that Symphony of Destruction? What's the name of the playing album? Fuck my life. Countdown to Extinction. After Countdown to Extinction came out, I just fell out, and everything I heard was like, it's not really the changing too much on me or something. So Offspring kind of adopted this weird kind of poppy type of not necessarily stadium rock but they kind of are now because they're actually playing stadiums but um they uh, uh, embrace this um mainstream kind of feel to their music that just didn't do it for me you know like smash was about as far as i was willing to push kind of that that kind of punky flavor um, simply because it was the early 90s and Green Day were putting out Dookie and stuff like that and Rancid yeah. were putting out Outcome the Wolves and you know there was a movement towards like your average Joe Soap <coughs> um, your average Joe Soap's kid should I say um, yeah. all of a sudden likes punk music you know what I mean and 
there was so many of these bands that were in that kind of initial wave <coughs> and <coughs> offspring were definitely one of them there's, there's a case to be made that like probably after green day they're one of the biggest ones you know uh, they have to be yeah i, I can't I, really think of anyone that's in the same vein that the, people no, mention people mention rancid but i just don't think no, rancid were no. as big as people give them no. credit for yeah do you know what i was thinking we, we say this all the time it's impossible for us to tell how big bands are we're into these bands yeah. i grew up listening to them and we can't look outside it. it's too close to us if you know what yeah. I mean. so to me they're huge but and then other bands we don't think are that big are huge. It's so yeah, it's, weird. It's, when, when you're close to it, it's hard to tell. Because, like, Green Day, I had heard Green Day before Dookie came out. I had heard the album Kerplunk. Jesus, and I, I owned really? it. Yeah, yeah, I owned it. Um, I can't remember who I got it off. Someone gave it to the me. Green Day hipster. Yeah, someone gave me a copy of Kerplunk, <laughs> and I really liked it. And Now, I didn't know that they were destined to be that big. You know yeah. what I mean? I didn't think they were going to be one of the biggest bands in the fucking world. Like, I remember when Basket Case came out and that video, like, the mad, super saturated video, and it was it was so big. It was winning awards left, right, and center. It's a good song. Again, I'm sick of hearing it, but it's a good song. Good throwaway, fucking two and a half minute, little belter, you know? And Offspring were putting out, you know, Bad Habit and shit like that. And then, like I said, they kind of disappeared for a little while. Not necessarily mad off the radar, but it, there was nothing nothing happening and I remember waking up one day and turning on MTV and this fucking video for Pretty Fly for a White Guy came on and I never I always remember going like this is fucking mental what in the name well, of God I, I had a, yeah, I had a bad reaction to it yeah like, same oh no, you know what at first I was like okay they're taking the piss and originally I, like, I think they are yeah now, I was like I wanted I wanted a grunge song now naturally they picked the right thing to do because this album oh, was Catastrophically, or super. So, what's the like word? Americana, uh, just stratus. Like stratus. My, br- I swear to God, I'm, yeah. I'm working on ten percent of my brain power, which <laughs> at best is not great. Anyway, a hundred percent is not great. Yeah, Americana was a was a big album for them. Um, but I remember hearing this song going, "What the fuck is this?" Now, years later, I didn't think too deep on it. Not really. Like I just years later, I thought that's a reaction to Eminem. That's what I thought. I thought right. that's them slagging Eminem, but it's not. Because Eminem, Eminem's album didn't come out till a year after this album came out. So, oh, like, yeah. I, I, honest to God, like, they're so close together in my head. Like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I can see what, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, yeah. I thought, like, I honest to God thought that, like, my name is and this would have came out, you know, the same year. And this was a reaction to it. Because, like, Offspring have been around for years. They could bang a song out in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And it'd be reasonably solid. Yeah. But, when I heard this, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, kind of... Uh, I don't even know. It, it's kind of got a, almost a Spanish feel to it, but it's not Spanish, and it's got the, the Def, Leppard, Def Leppard sample of the Unterglieben, Locked and Lobe, and that's a Def Leppard sample there. Oh, is it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, at the start of it. Um, and then it goes into this give it to me, baby, uh-huh, uh-huh kind of thing. And then it's like slagging white people who are essentially into hip hop culture. And gave, I remember giving rise to like everybody calling each other wiggers. And I hate that word. Oh, I hate weird. the word wigger. It you bothers the shit on me. Definitely shouldn't use it because you just shouldn't use that. It's just, a, it's, it's just a terrible terminology because just in case you do have to, you say it and someone says, what's that mean? And you have to go, oh shit, now yeah, I'm exactly, stuck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just, it's terrible terminology. And like, 
when you think about it now, they wouldn't get away with releasing this song now. There's just no way. It's just not a thing. There's no way you could release a song slagging one demographic for being interested in another demographic kind of culture because the two cultures are so intertwined now. Like this, especially with the with what Eminem started a year later, that kind of white rappers were getting airplay and doing well. You know, they weren't jokes anymore, like Vanilla Ice and shit like that. Like, mm. so when this song came out, I remember feeling personally fucking attacked because I was like, I was <laughs> like, I was like, I like all this fucking music that they're slagging as well. Like, I like fucking love hip hop music and I love fucking rap and. You know, if I could get away with it, I'd be wearing bleeding fubu jackets and the shit that he's slagging as well. But I, I just thought it was so fucking strange for a band that were, at their core, uh, a punk band. That maybe embraced a lot of grunge ideals and stuff like that as well. But we're a punk band to begin with, an American punk band. And w- which is supposed to be about fucking acceptance and unity. We're writing a song, singling out a particular kind of section of a demogra- demographic by saying like is a fucking saps like what you're doing like this is not for you the music we're making now to slag you is the music for you what you're doing listening to fucking ice cube and fucking all this shit and hanging out wearing your caps backwards and stuff like that and i remember thinking this is so fucking odd that when i first heard it, i was like they're gonna shoot themselves in the foot and like this is like 19 what 1998 this is late on in it as well so i would have had a little bit of cop on not a, not a, 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 an atrocious amount but it would have been what 17 yeah, yeah. 18 i would have had enough to fucking i've, I've read some books and watched some documentaries I, I actually have a rough opinion um on a few bits and bobs but i remember hearing it for the first time going like oh they might have fucked up there now they might have made a bollocks of this and within two weeks like every radio station didn't matter whether it was 2FM 98FM fucking classic hits whatever was playing this bleeding song because it was so catchy and it almost hooked it was almost I, I hate to say it but it's almost racist it's almost racist mm, I haven't to- thought about it too much I, I did way too much like it toes <laughs> the lion it toes the lion you know what I mean? Uh, like, exclusionary behaviour. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a paper to be written about this song. I'm telling you right now. There's a fucking paper to be written. Someone's going to do a dissertation on Pretty Fly for a white guy at some stage. And I don't think it'll come out too well. I really don't. Um, I just... It's it's such a weird left turn for them. Like, it's a poppy, stupid song. And the video is fucking stupid. But the, the video is also slaggy as well. Like they pick like kind of a weedy looking white dude and they put like five XL clothes on him and have him kind of fucking crip walk around and trip over and shit. Like it's yeah. just it's a it's bad, right? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> That's one thing we could everyone can agree on. It's this just not, not good. good song. It might be a lot of things, <clears throat> yeah. but it's not a good song. Considering that like, roughly around this time, they're putting out The Kids Aren't All Right, which is one of their best songs. It's fucking, it's a murderer of a song. Good song, yeah. Like, they're capable of putting mad catchy shit out there. And this is super catchy, but it's so fucking weird, man. Like, like I said, if you just take it at its face value, like, this is a weird, stupid, kind of novelty song, you know? Mr. Blobby style bullshit. But yeah. like when there's a layer beneath that that's real dark. Real dark. And and you get too close to it, it just doesn't smell right. It honestly doesn't smell right to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something there where they're like, Can you imagine if they wrote that, that about I don't know, fucking pick 
pick it the other way around, you know what I mean? Say the offspring well, are a black band and they're going to slag fucking black deal for like in Bon Jovi or something. You know what I mean? Or, or, or I'm fucking. Sure there's, I'm sure there's a shitload of that. I'm, su- I'm sure there is, but that's not fucking right oh, either. Oh, definitely. You know? Or, or, or slagging white people who live in Latin American neighborhoods for like in fucking, I don't know, Cuban yeah, the, music or something. It, it's, the, the land doesn't lie like that in terms of like white people getting a bit of slagging. It's only a drop in the ocean. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not even defending. I'm not even defending fucking Egypts because if you if you remember back when this came out, there were fucking Egypts. Like there were fucking Egypts who wore all that clubber and talked oh, yeah. like that. It was it was fucking painful, but like it was just a phase that people got over, you know. And they they got I read about it. They got a bit of fucking grief over it as well. Like they had to they had to come up with this fucking sh- uh, story. They concocted this story about like playing a gig and. Cleveland, Ohio, or something like that, and some dude came up to him after the gig, and he was fucking uh, white dude. He was like dropping n bombs and fucking all this type of shit to him, and the whole thing sounded mad concocted. Do you know what I mean? When I read the the interview, I was like, <laughs> that didn't happen. Sure up, like because they had to make it about a singular incident as opposed to like uh, an idea that they had. It just bothered the fucking shit out of me, and I just think because of that, it's mad fucking weird. It's weird on the surface of it because it's fucking stupid. But it's dark under the skin. And I, that bothers me. That bothers me fucking dearly. Because again, I was personally attacked by this song. You know what I mean? To a degree. <laughs> like, not when it first came out. Because when it first came out, I was like, there's going to be grief. There's going to be grief over this. And then all of a sudden, everybody's going around, give it to me, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Doing whatever oh God, fucking so Jennifer weird. Lopez voice or whatever the fuck it is. The South Park Jennifer Lopez voice anyway. But like, yeah. it's just, it's fucking odd. It's just an odd song that doesn't fit in with the rest of that discography. Even that last song they put out a few months ago that we were slagging, that garbage. Oh. Like, that's just you know, shy. It's shy, but it got wedged in my head after oh, yeah. one minute. I only listened to 100%. one of the chorus. They're so good at writing catchy. They're so good at writing catchy riffs. They really and truly are. And that doesn't um, necessarily make the songs good. Not obviously. really. It just makes them catchy. But sometimes it's yeah. good enough. Sometimes that's all you want. Like... People always, do you know, this really annoys me when people go, uh, well, you remembered it, so it must be good, or it got stuck in your head, so it must be good. Do you know what else does that? Fucking trauma. So, yeah, uh, explain that crash, Is that yeah. good? Yeah, Is I was good? in a car crash once. I relive it every night. I really do. A dude like, on a fucking well, motorbike crashed hey, into me. Go, yeah, well, it's got you, ta- it's got <laughs> exactly. you talking, hasn't it? Exactly. So, what? <laughs> Shut up. I live in fear of the one massive piece of trauma that happened in my life when a bloke on a motorbike crashed into my car. I went flying through the air, doing cartwheels, and wrapped himself around a lamppost, right? He lived, right? He survived, but it was uh, the single most traumatic thing that ever happened to me, so far, in my life. And I swear to God, I relive it every night in bed. And I don't have fond memories of it whatsoever. And I feel the same about loads yeah. of these songs. I wonder, I wonder do you have <laughs> accurate memories of it? Because you have a guy hit your car rather than you hit a bike. I remember it pretty, pretty <laughs> cleanly. I remember me turning into the bus lane because it was like three minutes past seven. I remember looking in the mirror and seeing nothing in the bus lane because nobody else had copped on. It was after seven. And I remember putting the indicator on. And I remember turning the wheel. And I remember I got about two foot into the bus lane. Like I was just over the lane. And this big fucking motorbike went straight into my front left wheel well. And the dude went in slow motion. The bloke flipped through the air and wrapped himself around a lamppost. And I remember putting the handbrake on, the hazards on and jumping out. 
and I ran over and he was talking to me, telling me that he was in the army and I was I was not to move and my case's neck was broken. And I fucking I was shitting myself. Shitting myself. I remember the cops arriving and doing like a, a quick wreck of the area and taking my my uh, my statement at me. And they looked at like where my car was and mm. uh, the point of impact and all this kind of show you. And I remember the turning around saying to me like, that bloke must have been like five or six cars behind you. And he decided to jump into the bus lane, but he decided to drive a high speed along the line, the dividing line between that lane and the bus lane. And that's how he hit you. Because even if he was in the middle of the bus lane, he would have missed you by a fucking mile. Unless and I was going like a little bit afterwards, huh? Unless you reversed a little bit afterwards, God, exactly. I took myself back in. Yeah, <laughs> but but I leave it out a tiny bit to make it real. No, no I didn't. Yeah, I, I just I just hit the fucking <laughs> handbrake. Yeah, I I was I was he, so panicky. He's still, he's still alive. He's but I I, 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 I just actually uh, I had to go to court with him twice, and he was a prick. So fuck that dude. Um, <laughs> fucking glad I hit him. <laughs> yeah, do it again. No, he was a prick. Um, the judge actually told me. The judge straight up told me he was prick. Said you're a mouthpiece. Shut up. Um, oh, uh, well, yeah. he's a, he's not a moral boy because high high chance he's a dickhead. Um, but anyway, Sorry. that's the trauma I live through when I hear songs like this by the Offspring and that new song. <laughs> okay. uh, they're similar. Okay. Like in fact, when I when I think about that that, that car accident, that the soundtrack to it is uh, either this song or that last Offspring song. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Anyway, who's your who's your next one? Oh, I must say Wait. that. Pre- Offspring have sold 40 million records yeah it's actually half of uh, Green Day but still amazing I think Green Day is on 80 but that's mental they're the Bat two you. they're the two biggest punk bands in the world in terms of sales Fuck. surely I listened I got a copy for free of that last Green Day album on vinyl and I tried to listen to it oh it's the one that doesn't sound like, the single didn't sound like Green Day at all no it sounds like the, the Hives the Hives yeah. yeah it's not good it's not is not that not? Green Day put it in good out in fucking 20 years but like it's real bad it's okay. real real bad um yeah. even american idiot they they don't have they don't have a third reanimation in them like as in no. they can't, re- can't reinvent themselves again no, they what they can't. did with american idiot was yeah. astounding i don't like the album but it was they like they introduced themselves to a generation past the generation absolutely after the, so they like skipped too. Like uh, we, we talked about, Aerosmith used to reinvent themselves every like ten years to get a yeah. new like uh, crowd of uh, kids or whatever into yeah. the music. A lot of bands do that, but I think Green Day like slept for like twenty years before doing that or something. Yeah, well, they were putting albums out, but no one cared. Actually, before we move on, here's fucking pretty oh, fly garbage, painful weird song. Yeah. 
shivers down my spine. It's the it's impact. Not actually, it's not actually the worst thing ever. But at the time, I was so bitterly disappointed because I wasn't ready for that. I think I wasn't ready for a comedy single. And as well as that, it, it got so popular in the time my brain was still trying to figure out whether I liked it or not yeah. that I knew I didn't like it. Oh, so, yeah. just fucking... Just, literally like talking to Bill Hicks like back into the left back into the left the impact of that bike <laughs> on the little van I was driving um, <laughs> while that song plays but also it must be noted as well in 1998 if you played guitar and were into rock music like you learned how to play that song like fucking within a week because it was a piece of piss to play and it really uh, uh, impressed Mott like <laughs> it's just the thing you know, even if you hate the song you're like dun, 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 like you gotta learn it in fucking two minutes um, anyway who's your next one my next one is it's, it's a one hit wonder it is another one hit wonder but it's a weird song from the 90s alternative scene and it's well hobo humping slow babe. you love this song I do love this song I it's a great song love it. Uh, I, the first time I heard it I was like this is so 90s but they're mixing things that they're Swedish for a start which means you could get something mad yeah. like a lot of uh, like sort of Scandinavian bands I, be- I believe Sweden is a Scandinavian band every time I say Scand- like Scandinavian I know I, know, I never fucking goes, know no, actually they're not actually they're like, Euro scandal fucking yeah so yeah. apparently Finland aren't a Scandinavian country because I saw that in a joke recently where they were like uh I don't know, some joke where it was like... Finnish I absolutely would have said that Finland is a Scandinavian go. country. Some people do consider some people don't. So let's just move away from Scandinavia for a minute and just say Sweden. Uh, Hobo Hump and Slobo Babe, 1993. Uh, the band, the band, the two guys from the band, Gordon Cyrus and Henrik Scheifert, met while they were working on a commercial because they both were uh, actors, I think, like that. Oh, and, um, a funny thing that I found out about this was that in the late 90s, their official website stated that their name was Southern Whale Cult. Weird. And like do you remember... Southern fucking Death Cult. That turned their name into cult and they yeah. turned their name into whale. Turned it just to be a joke based on that that, uh, that whole thing. Okay. Uh, also, quickly, just quick uh, plug for a band that has sort of come back out after a million years. That band, Southern Death Cult, yeah, they're touring, uh, aren't they? I don't know, but uh, the, the the band that sort of... So, the two people that left that band, it was... Uh, oh, Jesus, you know what? I wish I had not done this because I haven't done any research. And I know everyone in this doesn't talk about its name, but my brain is so <laughs> shy. So, uh, the the people that went on to form the cult, the rest yeah. of the lads went on to form a band called Getting the Fear, which is kind of like this mad uh, 80s new wave mixed with punk kind yeah. of grungy stuff and it uh, got re-released after like recompiled after years by uh, oh. the same uh, record label days that do uh drab majesty stuff so that's that are coming oh. out this week i'm dying to give it a listen i'm afraid to not like it though I've, they've been pumping this up for months and months and months i bet so you it's deadly bet you, i bet you it might be i bet you it might be so yeah they're called getting speaking the free, of which, stuff that is a brilliant band name speaking of stuff that's been fucking promised for ages is a, a little record label in Germany have re-released the first Bad Brian single, Paid to Come, and they only made 300 copies of the 7-inch, and I got one. Yeah, did you get one? Yeah. How many, many copies? 300. Oof, nice. 300, yeah, this little, and it was a pre-order from like fucking February last year or some shit like that. Yeah. And it's finally getting arriving this week, so speaking of long waits, but yeah, Sudden Deck Cult were fucking interesting. We played them on a, on a podcast before. 
Right. That's mad. Yeah, we did. But um, the cult, were the cult better? I can't remember. I, anyway. don't I don't know if I give a shit about the cult. I'm not going to lie to you. Do you know what? They have a few bangers, but all in all, like, every time I listen to an album by them, I'm like, yeah, about half of that's good. Yeah, I don't like, know. That's, that's, that's not bad. Just anyway, don't know if I care. Yeah, anyway. What's up with them? We're talking about uh, this band that toured with Tricky, Blur and Placebo, but I just reread this today. Someone compared them to Bjork meets the Beastie Boys meets wow. Onyx. Wow. And they now that's in my that, head, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah they do. Those they, sound like Bjork and the Beastie Boys. They have that real manic sound, don't they? Where it's like there's a lot of shit happening. Um, yeah, maybe, it's just yeah. such a it's a weird mix of a song because the guys are providing that like shouty, yeah, uh, shouty vocal like the, the Beastie Onyx Boys Onyx style fucking slam shit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And the Beastie has the Beastie Boys feel yeah. musically, to be honest with you. And then yeah. she doesn't sound too much like Bjork, but she kind of does as well. Does it's she? just give that. It, Give it a listen there till we get to the chorus and we really hear what this song is about. Yeah. that combo might work what they it said does. it didn't though <laughs> it didn't they got two albums in and they disbanded but to be honest with you that album we care is okay has another uh a couple of good songs and i remember yeah. the second single was a bit underwhelming compared to that but that song is just fire in a bottle it's great it's absolute gold dust every part of it is brilliant and the end of it where they're just screaming is mm. so fun, so much fun your man henrik Schäufer is now a popular comedian and presenter in sweden well. um i didn't really find much on the other two or three i think there was, obviously there was a drummer as well interesting uh the music video for hobo humble slow baby was a bit of crack and that one uh the first MTV European Music Award for Best Video in 1993. Mm. That's mad. Um, that's all I have on them. Because mm. uh, there's not a huge amount. Any bands like that that don't have a long, illustrious career with mad books written about them, it's very hard for us to figure yeah, out more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, especially one so who's wonders your, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Especially them, yeah. Who's your next one? Uh, my next one is a band that I consider to be probably the weirdest band of the 90s. Uh, and I'd say by a long stretch and it's simply because they were just designed to be that way and it's the presidency of the United States of America and the song oh, yeah. is have, Peaches they have to be they have to be on uh, this list yeah um, I picked Peaches 
simply because it's a song about fucking peaches. Like, yeah, th- that's this is that's the perfect example of songs for this playlist. It's, yeah, they did a whole massively popular song in the 90s about peaches, yeah, and it no, is so like, good. Uh, formed in 1993, this album came out in 1995. The album is just fucking incredible. It's 10 out of 10. There's not a, a weak second it's on the album. This was uh, one of many singles. You had Dune Boogie, you had Lump, you had Kitty. I think Kitty was the first Lump single. Lump Kitty, was the second yeah. one. Uh, Boogie might have been the last one, I think. I can't remember. But just the video alone is just inc- so 90s. Again, it's super saturated. The colours leaking out of it. They're in an orchard eating peaches. They get attacked by ninjas out of nowhere. And the entire video was just them fighting ninjas until they eventually win. It's just fucking stupid. It's The band themselves are incredibly weird. Um, if you go back and listen to their demos do you know what though as well I have to say huh? they're definitely way more talented than a lot of the bands in this they're they, they, they knew exactly what they were yeah, doing it wasn't bit, yeah. they were that was this was calculated Big madness time. yeah like I, I, <laughs> I've seen them live a couple of times they've always been just incredible um, yeah it, it's so apparently when they started they wanted to be a bit more kind of bluesy and jazzy but with that kind of cartoony twist so they'd sent in these demos to a record label and the label were like this is really good but like have you would you try being a rock band and they were like what <laughs> like have you tried like rocking these up a bit and they're like yeah well we like rock music it's just not exactly what we wanted to do so they went off and they re-recorded like lump because if you go and listen to the original version of lump it's fucking mental you'll find it online it's literally like she's lump she's lump she's out of her head boom 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 that's what it's batshit mad like proper swamp music and uh, like real kind of artsy farty kind of student music but like these lads weren't necessarily students they're all working in pubs and stuff you know yeah, yeah. selling their demo tapes at imagine bars that. they walked in yeah exactly <laughs> state, state of us and uh, <laughs> so like they were selling like their demos and 10 tracks and uh, eps and demos and shit out of like bars they were walking in and selling them out the back of their cars and then one the record label hears and goes Try, rock it up a bit there Rock, give it a slice, give it a slap the old rock stick. So they send. <laughs> sli- are yeah. you still at the old rock music yourself? Are you? Exactly, yeah, the old rock and roll, huh? So uh, off they go and they do it and they send in this fucking version of Lump and the record label, like, that's fucking super. That's just, that's the one. And they were like, all right, yeah, we can do that. And then all of a sudden, like, they, you, you get, oh, it's, I think you get maybe two and a half to three albums worth of that kind of stuff out of them before they start getting mad weird again. And I, I like the mad weird shit. Um, I like the mad weird shit. They start getting into this almost, Jesus, almost Motown kind of girl band style music kind of towards yeah, the end. Yeah. It's, it's fucking like some postman and stuff. That's some weird shit going on. Um, they, uh, just, I, I don't think they've ever had a weak album and every album is very different. Um, the second album is a little bit more, which is just called Two, is maybe even more rock and rolly kind of garage than, than this one but it's equally as fucking stupid and weird you know songs about volcanoes and racing cars and stuff like that um, uh, one of the lads went on and started a band called the Giraffes and there's two giraffes there's a rock and roll giraffes and then there's uh, Chris Bellew's giraffes where he took uh, all of his kids teddy bears and gave them rock and roll names and created this like invented band with his child's teddy oh, bears yeah. and put out an album and it's really really good and he just recorded it in his basement on a four track and it's really really cool um that, i think that, that it was mad interesting that i think now he writes children's books or something like that so he's always had this kind of quirky 
childlike fascination with stuff. Hence, like songs like Kitty and June Bug and or June Boogie and Lump and songs about peaches and like, it's it's incredibly wacky. But they're so so fucking talented. Um, now they yeah. did uh, they did raise their hand with peaches. And they said, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. That riff is pretty much uh, Feel Like Making Love by Bad Company. And uh, I listened to that song earlier and I was like, oh shit, yeah, it is. Love that song. Yeah, it's like, you'll only cop it when you're told. Like they said, we kind of lifted that riff I feel like making love, and I was listening to feel like making love, and it's like, and I was like, holy shit, kind of is. It's in the same way that like smells like Teen Spirit is more than a feeling. Yeah, it is, but it's not. It is, but it's not really. Yeah, but they they raised their hand. They said, listen, we kind of borrowed that riff from feel like making love, and there's 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 two or three other bits. The bit where it goes into the when the ninjas they fight back against the ninjas, and I were kind of double times it like that's. Yeah. definitely a lift from that Bad Company song um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they were just big Bad Company fans to begin with and they were messing around with that riff and came up with their own little weird version of it which again is fair all is fair in, in love and music it's not <laughs> a direct clone but it's no, definitely we, we, we've done podcasts on, on rips it's not, yeah it's not exactly one. this is an ode to you almost you know their own version of it but uh, yeah I think that <clears throat> to sum up what I consider to be like one of, if not the weirdest bands of the 90s, like the presence in the United States of America, uh, definitely are among yeah. the top of the heap. Like, even the album cover, which is like little you know, ornament you know monkeys remo- and frogs. They remind me of uh, REM's weird younger brother. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> like the, the jokey, the yeah. <laughs> quirky REM, yeah. Um, like, they're not even like REM, but I'm saying if there was a family... And R.E.M. was the serious, grumpy brother. Yeah. These would be the jackass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. And I actually don't own any of their stuff on vinyl. And I keep, it gets re-released every five or six years. And I keep missing it. Every single really? time I keep missing it, yeah. I keep missing out on these reissues. And they go for fucking insane money, like within five months of being reissued. Um, <laughs> so investment those albums. Exactly. So I, especially <laughs> the first two, the first one in particular is outrageous. But... Um, I, it's one thing that's just been on me want list since I started collecting records, you know, and it's just too hard to to come across. You never ever stumble across it. You never even stumble across singles. I think maybe I have one, one seven inch. Like it's just so hard to find. Um. Anyway, that was peaches, a song about actual peaches. Um, yes. I mean, that's about, about something else, and we don't know. But he he it's said about peaches. Uh, he did say that like he wrote the song about his first ever girlfriend. That he, uh, when he's waiting for it to come out of school or something like that, he sat underneath a peach tree, um, waiting to tell her that he loved her. But like that doesn't sound anything like that song. So uh, I think he's just lying again, and he's coming up with some bollocks to say it's actually about <laughs> something when it's actually just about eating cans of peaches. Like yeah, like a lot of these songs, I think that they just went. There were jam bands, not this yes. band, I don't think, but jam bands that came up with just true mad stupid lyrics in there, laughed about it for about an hour, and then went. I guess that's the song now, lads. Yeah, see you later. Next. Exactly. Uh, anyway, that was Peaches <laughs> by President of the United States of America. Who is your next one? My next one is The Distance by Cake. It's one of my... Uh, Outrageous. Oddball. It's not not the maddest song on nope. the playlist, but, but it's definitely... That band fucking quirky as fuck. Yeah, they are a strange band. I think that it's it wasn't really like anything I'd heard when I heard it in the 90s. Um, 
I would more to like 60s kind of Sinatra crooner stuff than anything else. That's where yeah, I always like them. And then the riff and the chorus. Oh, are so good. So good. I just love this song so much that uh, anytime I think of quirky 90s, and they're definitely not a one hit wonder. These guys have no. had a huge career, actually. Yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, actually, just stick it on there because I want to hear it because I love, love it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't play Peaches because what's the point? Oh, we didn't play Peaches. Do you want to stick matter. it on? No. Who needs to hear Peaches? <laughs> uh, here's Cake. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time The green light flashes, the flags go up Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank Fuel burning fast on an empty tank Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns Their prowess is potent and secretly stern As they speed through the finish, the flags go down The fans get up and they get out of town The arena is empty, except for one man Still driving and striving as fast as he can The sun has gone down and the moon has come up And long ago somebody left with the cup But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns And thinking of someone for whom he still burns He's going the distance He's going for speed She's all alone All alone in a time of need Because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse He's going the distance It's one of the greatest bass lines ever written It's deadly Absolutely it's, just, just, It almost sounds like a synthesizer at the start Like not yeah. a bass I'm, And I'm almost certain it's a fretless bass um, it's a it's a song about uh, going the distance. No, it's, it's not. I can tell you. Well, I, I can tell you. I I I have a quote from uh, McCree, the, the the guy John McCree, the singer from this, and his quote about what uh, the song is about is sounds like. And these are my favorite kind of answers. Just made up shit on the spot. Amazing. Like he absolutely just made up this this uh, this quote. I'll give it to you in a minute. But this is a uh, 1996's "The Distance" from the album Fashion Nugget. Their band name or their album names are always incredible. Comfort so Eagle. You had, you had Fashion Nugget. You yeah. had uh, Prolonging the Magic, and then mm. Comfort Eagle, which had Short Skirt, Long Jacket, it's which amazing. is another, it's a fucking brilliant song. Um, I don't think they have so a bad album. I don't know much about all their albums to be honest with you. I know Fashion Nugget and Comfort Eagle, but uh, he said in an interview. This is a song about success and failure and failure of success. Uh, it's a sad song because there is no success. You can explode into the world with great magnificent magnificence and still feel like the guy underneath the Mickey Mouse head with the mm. fan batteries that have stopped working properly and it's dark <laughs> under there and everybody still wants your autograph. <laughs> well, uh, apparently the rest of the band aren't massive fans of him. Yeah, you were telling me about this. Yeah, uh, so a, a, apparently what had happened is that he doesn't like touring. He doesn't like playing live or touring. It's not, as, not a big deal for him. He just likes making records. And the oh, band yeah, like, I'm ab- absolutely with him on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the band were like, well, we have to make a few Bob. And he was like, well, pff, you're not doing it with me. So they started another band, like the entire band. And I think just the guitarist or something sings or the bassist sings. I think they call like Ray Gun or Space Gun or something like that. And right. uh, they do a bit of touring. To make a few bob and like cake fans are fucking ravenous and they know that they'll go and see this band in lieu of cake you know because oh, they don't, yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. that many gigs but uh i fucking love cake i've been obsessed with cake since i heard them yeah the only thing that annoys me in particular on fashion nugget uh, you can see on your screen there is that in the logo the c is too thick in in cake and it bothers the shit out of me every time i see yeah. it the c 
in the word cake. It's just too thick. And, and that's weird. Along with the weird. music. It annoys me. It should be just... A, but the a, gas thing is, it's, it's the same thickness as the That's the K. E. Yeah, it's, it's like... Uh, some of it. It's, it's a, just something it's about terrible, it. It's a terrible, terrible typeface. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the biggest uh, thing I can say about it. <laughs> it's just, the C just... It's, I, I can't... The news, really. You'll have to have a look for it yourselves. Yeah. Are, definitely listen to this amazing playlist, it's by the way. Really, really good. You have to. Um, so, they... Uh, I think they sold... All those three albums in a row went platinum, as far as I know. So, Fashion Nugget, Prolonging the Magic, and Comfort Eagle all went platinum, which is, I mean, the, here's the problem. If he is the songwriter, the main songwriter, then he's getting most of that money in the band. Yeah. They're probably like, eh, can we yeah. go on the road? Because we're the ones that, that do the doom, 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 and the yeah. ch- We do the kill shit. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, that's always going to be one of my favorite ones. We could talk about We could have, could have done an episode on Cake, really. 100%. Very unusual band. I'm exhausted, so I can't. So that's that's what you got. You got the distance. I can't yes. go the distance. I can only go this far. I can't go for speed either. <laughs> Sorry, this is that was cake the distance. One of my favorite songs. From, like, it definitely fits into the weird definitely from the alternate Very scene. Then, who is alternate? Alternative? Jesus, I'm so I need. Sleep. It's happening. I need sleep. This yeah, is happening. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of glad though I'm not at the stage where I'm overtired I'm just tired tired because a few times we've done podcasts when we're overtired and they're actually the best because yeah, I don't definitely. know if overtired gives you this weird sense of humor where nothing yeah, with is giddiness off the giddiness and, yeah. and and you go into long streams oh, of consciousness just flow and pure flow it's beautiful pure flow of uh, and people are like this is insane but like scooter flow not uh, not in any way important flow yeah just yeah. dirt flow yeah a bit like just this pod, bit about this this playlist in general. It's just a pretty bit much overtired. An overtired song is what it sounds like. It's hilarious, but it's all over the gap. Who's your next one? Anyway, your last one. My last one is uh, we're known as Big Brown Beaver by Primus. Definitely. Oh yeah, like hundred percent uh, from the album Tales from the Punchbowl, which uh, Tales from the Punchbowl was one of the first records I think to be like a CD-ROM where you could put it in your computer. And oh, I had like right. a game you could play where you played like a captain or some shit like that because we're mad for captains with sailing the seas of cheese and stuff like that. Um, and I had uh, a whole different soundtrack and stuff like that. And apparently, if you certain CD players, you could put the CD in there, and you could select just to play the soundtrack for the video game as well, as well as the album. Oh right. Uh, so yeah, went on as Big Brown Beaver. Uh, like, is it actually about a beaver or is it about like? A box pelt, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I have the lyrics in front of me. I'm gonna read you some of the some of the lyrics here oh, right? before we play. It, it, <laughs> the lyrically is fucking, it's super, it's so weird. Uh, so Winona's got herself a big brown beaver and she shows it off to all her friends. One day, you know that beaver tried to leave her, so she caged them up at a cyclone fence. Along came Lou with the old baboon and said, "Recognize that smell? Smells like seven layers. That beaver eats Taco Bell. It's fucking outrageous!" Like, <laughs> but the way he sings it is so. Like we talked about Primus before, they are a, a like a hillbilly nightmare. Yeah, they're like, like a prog, alt, hillbilly weird trip, band. Like a, a, an, L- an LSD trip in a hillbilly back arse nowhere. Because it yeah. has that country style, but it is insane. It uh, is insane. Here's, the, here's, the, here's another verse. Now, Winona took her... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, Winona took her big brown beaver and she stuck him up in the air. 
said I sure do love this big brown beaver and wish I did have a pair. Now the beaver once slept for seven days and it gave us all an awful fright. So I tickled his chin and I gave him a pinch and the bastard tried to bite me. Winona loved her her big brown beaver and she stroked him all the time. She pricked her finger one day and occurred to her he might have been a porcupine. Like, I don't know, man. He sings all this in about five seconds. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's so... I don't know, man. It's incredibly fucking strange. Like most of their music. I loved, loved, loved Primus as a young man. Like, now I could take him and leave him. I don't hate him. I just... I think I wore myself out on Primus um, because they were so quirky. Like, I had Primus shorts, probably fucking rip-offs or whatever. I had all the CDs, all the tapes. I was obsessed with Park Soda, the album. Um... Parks out in particular, I was fucking obsessed with. Uh, and this song is this song kind of takes the biscuit in terms of weirdness, I think. Just because, as a young fella, you're giggling because you think it's about a fucking box or whatever. But like, when you read it, it probably is about an actual beaver, like, and yeah. it could be taken both ways. Like, it's definitely uh, a double entendre, but it's so fucking mental that I'm sure it could be debated like every line kind of flips the script on what it's actually about you know yeah um like there's a character called Rex he was a Texan out of New Orleans New Orleans who does cocaine and stuff like that and smokes cheap cigars and gets his uh his balls squeezed by the beaver and now he can't piss that's the middle verse I think like it's just <laughs> like uh, it's fucking bad like musically it's insane musically it's insane like it's weird enough musically without having those batshit mad lyrics layering on top of it let's give it a little spin here for people maybe who haven't heard mm-hmm. when I was Big Brown Beaver now bear in mind Les Claypool is one of the greatest bass players of all time and 99% of the mad shit you're hearing is him doing this fucking live he's that good he's just outrageous Here's another weird one for you. Primus are the only band that have their own ID3 genre tag. Is that uh, from MP3s? Yep. So Winamp, 
when uh, when you were, if you remember back in the day, you were like ripping a CD or whatever the fuck it was, or you had yeah. you download a lot of MP3s and the tags are wrong, you'd have to get an, an, an ID tree tag editor or generator, and you go through it and there'd be a drop down list of the genres. You know, you had a punk, punk, funk, rock, blah blah blah, and there was one just called Primus that Winamp introduced. They were the only band to have their <laughs> own their own ID tree uh, tag. Uh, there's influenced by bands like the residents rush obviously uh king crimson pink floyd and uh extremely early era red hot chili peppers apparently um will be a big yeah i suppose i could see that yeah yeah but then again that was when red hot chili peppers were really good yeah um so yeah it's like what what are they like white trash prog funk metal but they're not really metal also the guitarist does jack shit um the guitarist has like, uh, got, i wouldn't say that <coughs> what he does apparently he's got this style that <coughs> like the COVID if, coming out me i know i know what you're saying but jesus he uh he he has a tough job yeah but apparently the whole idea behind the guitars in primus and it's been set this way from the get-go is that the guitars are entirely an accompaniment to les claypool's bass playing so he does this weird kind of uh i was reading an interview with him earlier so basically what he'll try and do is that he'll hear what les is doing so les is doing that that fucker and he'll try and find this kind of soundscapey noise that will sit behind that and fill out the music and then he'll find like at the end of that noise find a cool little lick that will go against claypool's kind of lick so like there's not that many songs that are like guitar driven his job yeah. is to kind of glue the bass and the drums together, which is normally the bassist's kind of position in a band. So things are kind of flipped around. Like uh, Saying that he does jack shit is, is the wrong terminology. He does completely yeah. different stuff from what most other guitar-based bands do. And by guitar, I mean bass guitar and electric um, yeah. guitar. He's, just, he's completely and utterly against the fucking ebb and flow of your like, average it's, standard it's, guitar it's, band it's 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 almost like he has to be a keyboard player almost, because i know yeah. from being a keyboard player in a band you um are given tiny windows of opportunity to do exactly. anything that actually really let people know there's a keyboard apart from this the synths and the pads yeah. this guy can't do synths and pads on guitar but he does yeah like fitting stuff in there to tie it all together it's just he's brilliant he's absolutely yeah. brilliant he has he has this little section that he sits in and it definitely fucking works. Definitely. Larry Lalanda, I think his name is. Larry, Larry Lalanda, yeah. Uh, Larry also, Lalanda, yeah. Fred Dorst has produced music for Primus. How mad is that? Has he? Yeah. That's Jeez, fucking batshit mad. Absolutely batshit mad. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, it would have been a big influence on bands like Deftones and Korn and stuff like that as well. Um, simply with the way that the bass guitar was used. Not necessarily in the sound that he had, but the fact that bass became a bigger deal in the new metal era than most kind of eras before like, where they were just accompanying guitars you even think back to the kind of early Deftone stuff this is, you start hearing bass that has like like reverb and distortion and octave pedals and stuff on it where kind of bass became a bigger part of the, the soundscape in general like that's definitely yeah. definitely an influence of Primus who were obviously definitely influenced by Rush you know what I mean um, uh, massively where the, ba- where the ba- yeah the bass is such a huge yeah, instrument exactly. music and he's singing and playing mad rhythms exactly batshit mad well, does that it, yeah exactly and he's gone on he's gone on record saying that one of his favourite bands are the Residents who we talked about a couple of weeks ago um, 
In fact, if you bought this single, if you bought Winona's Brown Beaver, the single, like the maxi CD fucking thing, there was a cover of um, uh, Skinny on it um, that we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that song? Skinny something. Motherfucker. Which, which is this? We were talking about The Residents like two weeks ago. And oh, we talked you play about a song by a, uh, It's just called Skinny, isn't it? It's just called Skinny. It is just Skinny. I think, so. I think it's just Skinny. And um, uh, because Primus are such massive fans of the residents, uh, one of the B-sides to Winona's Big Brown Beaver, the single, was a cover of the residents, Skinny. Um, that big, big time influenced uh, by those guys. I think they might have covered a couple of resident songs. Covered a couple of uh, Pink Floyd songs as well in that time. Which uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of want to hear. Um, that'd be interesting. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Winona's Big Brown Beaver. It's it's just mental. It's just mental. As I said earlier. And the video is it's one of the best videos I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy. They're dressed up like uh, fucking cowboys. Cartoon. You know? Cartoon. Yeah. Like, but they're in like foam, big foam suits. Foam suits. They, suits. Yeah, he incredible. said that they were supposed to, they were trying to look like cheap plastic cowboys is what they're trying to look look, look like it was actually shot oh, in his yeah. house in les claypool's uh, ranch his ranch really? he calls it rancho relaxo is what oh, he calls yeah. it and uh, <laughs> it was actually shot at his home yeah but yeah they dressed up as kind of big toys wearing weird foam suits and they couldn't play their instruments properly wearing those suits so they had to record at a half speed to, to actually be able to play properly with the gear so when it's played forward in uh, regular speed, it looks all quirky and, and kind of janky and stuff like that, which they mm-hmm. weren't actually going for, but they decided to keep uh, at the end. Again, as we said, a lot of these songs have mad 90s videos because vid- like, <laughs> music videos were such a massive deal in the 90s. Like they, you, could, you could like win or lose off the back of a good video in the 90s yeah they had to be this th- like and, and if the record label knew the song was good they'd throw more money at the video exactly yeah. um, but anyway that was Winona's Big Brown Beaver who is your last one my last one is Push the Little Daisies by Ween oh. which is definitely one of the bigger uh, sorry more memorable for me 90s weird songs not one of the biggest ones probably the least big song on this entire playlist actually mm. Say, but it is actually a pretty big hit, I think, at the time. I can't remember what a hit was in the 90s, Same. to be honest with you. They're all gone. I know whether it was a big hit or not, but I know that this was their biggest song for years. Mm. Uh, Pushing Little Daisies is off the uh, album Pure Guava from 92. Um, they're like a really odd rock band in the same way that like somewhere between Devo and Sparks, I think, this, like, this mm. feel of this band. They're from Pennsylvania. I thought until today they were brothers, Dean oh. and Gene Wayne. That's just their stage names because okay. I'm a fucking idiot. Ah. It's Aaron Freeman and Mickey Melchiondo. Uh, so honestly, genuinely thought that I was like, oh, it's cool. They're called Dean and Gene Wayne yeah, and they call yeah. the band Wayne. No, like Van Halen. It's not. It's not like that at all. Uh, they became kind of big through this song, Push Little Daisies, which I think they inhale helium to sing. Oh, wow. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know how they do that live. It's just a load of helium balloons. I couldn't do that. Wreck your, wreck your voice. Wreck your voice. Probably. You'd get a bit of a year into that tour and you'd never be able to sing again. Yeah. You'd destroy it. The funny thing you should mention uh, Primus just before this because Dean Wayne um, had a fishing company 
show. Sorry, a fishing comedy show. He he is a fisherman Weird. himself. Uh, he had almost had a fishing show with Les Claypool, Primus, but it never. Uh, it was would have been produced by uh, South Park's Matt Stone oh, and Trey wow. Parker. They obviously do. Uh, Primus do the just the soundtrack, yeah, or just the theme. Yeah, theme from, from uh, South Park, but. I think Ween have done stuff for them in the past as well. So they're kind of those three things are interlinked. Also, Dean Ween is really good mates with Josh Hom of Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. And he plays guitar on Songs for the Deaf, Mosquito Song, and Gonna Leave You, and Six Shooter off that uh, Songs for the Deaf album. Mm. He says that they write 50 songs per album and whittle it down to like, what, 12 or something like that. Fucking hell. That's that's Radiohead territory. That's yeah. actually a lot of bands do something, probably something similar, actually. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's not that mad. We're like, me and you, if we're writing like four songs, we'll come up with five and mm. one of them will get used some way. <laughs> but, uh, let's just because you're read somewhere, you're not meant to put them all on. That's all. Yeah. Just, uh, that's yeah, the only just, reason. Some, or in case we somehow need a B-side. Just, just <laughs> randomly. So give me something new while I have this yoke yeah. here. Stick you want to give this a spin here? Song. I, I love this song. It's a, it's a cute little song. feel like they're, they're always on the verge of breaking up while it's laughing like you can you can hear the cuts where yeah like, and that's they're that's about to fucking the, break into it that's the beginning of cartman if you oh ask yeah me. Definitely. that's definitely the beginning of cartman i think anyway and it just goes like it's not a coincidence that like uh matt stone and trey parker are massive fans um the only album that they've ever recorded where they stuck to one genre because they're all over the gaff is a uh, 12 golden country greats which they wow. released in 96 uh they're a, they're a crazy band they have they have a song on a i think it's the south park movie soundtrack mm. or else no chef aid do you remember chef aid yes. is a thing uh chocolate salty balls they have a song on that called uh there's many colors in a homo rainbow it, which that. is a remember that song it's yeah. it's actually a mad catchy song yeah it's brilliant uh they're a weird band, man. Ween, uh, they're one of those bands, I really see, when I say this is a big one, I mean, it's a big one for me in the 90s. I remember yeah, this one yeah, being yeah. like, oh, weird. And you're really trying to like be different when yes, you're our age in yes. the 90s. So let's listen to different music and yeah. not like fucking Whitney Houston, who's who's a genius. So yeah. nothing against Whitney Houston. 
Uh, but yeah, all this music was coming out and he wanted something to sort of rebel about and be a bit weird. Uh, it's almost like the musical form of graffiti or something. I don't know. I can't put my finger yeah. on it. All this music is just, it's, it's the only song that's weird for the sake of it, I think is the first one you played. And even then they're a bit weird anyway, as it is. The, the way, the way I look at a lot of this music is that like the nineties, like alternative rock exploded. And you couldn't turn a corner without tripping over fucking 10 new bands that were just putting out, like, solid music. Solid alt-rock, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in order to kind of stand out, you might have to just come up, even if it wasn't necessarily your bag, you had to do something a little bit different. You had to, whether it be a single that was a bit fucking strange, or whether it was a weird instrument you threw into the mix. Like, I remember there was even, like, kind of that kind of post-hardcore emo thing was getting big. There was bands like, I think Yellow Card that came out that had like a violin player and stuff, you know. You had to do something. Something yeah. just a little bit off for people to go, oh, that's the, the band with the with the violin or the band that with the songs about yeah. Peaches. A talking, a talking point that's yeah. like, when people can't let someone know what the music is, they have to say something like that. Like, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. It's just a little, little hashtag before hashtags were a thing, you know. And mm. like, there was so much of that in the 90s like unlike the the 80s or the 70s where kind of genres were kind of founded in the 70s that's the way i always look at things is that uh, most of the stuff that me and you are into you can trace them almost certainly back to like probably the late 70s where you can you can hear the beginnings of this genre starting or whatever you know and uh uh, as we said 60s is where things start getting weird because bands wanted to break out with a kind of standard kind of hierarchy of you know get someone to write your songs and you just sing them or whatever the fuck um <clears throat> so to get uh, that, that progression from the 60s to the 90s where things come full circle where uh, everything is just there's piles of bands especially after nirvana hit and there's just bands tripping over bands and labels are signing everybody with a guitar and whether they make it or not, they might get one album done, they might get a single done, then they're dropped or whatever. So bands absolutely have to hit the ground running. So I have to just, maybe, they're just like, you know what, Like we could just bang out a lot of fucking three-card tricks, cool, alt-rock, grungy kind of songs that, mm, you yeah. know, fingers crossed, get get taken up by the by the public. Uh, but the fucking, the stripey jumper brigade might get behind us. But what if we came out with something so fucking mad and catchy that, like, even like the Mars and Daz when it's listening to it, they go, they turn around, and they go like, "What, what the fuck are you listening to?" Like that's yeah. enough. That controversy of like that's so weird that like, and it's always dripping with sarcasm. Always it has, to, it has to be. Always. And I imagine that. I imagine that like this, but these bands had to keep themselves in check all the time from going too commercial because loads of them could have or else did. But, I was like, "No man, exactly. that, that's not what we're about. We're we're weirder than that." Exactly. Yeah. They, might, they go, might need not even consider themselves weird. They might think they're just totally normal and everyone else. Oh, is absolutely. We're just, just doing our well. own experimental thing. But like you said, they either go full pop or they go the other direction, which is someone like Guar. You know what I mean? Where like your entire yeah. persona is based around the fact of like like Guar. I I couldn't name you five Guar songs, but I could tell you five things that Guar do on stage. <laughs> exactly yeah you know they what are I mean? brilliant, they have brilliant songs though to be fair as well like I, I just one of those bands that like I know and I've listened to but I couldn't I couldn't I, could, I couldn't pull a lot of song names or even album names out of my hole without sitting down for for a night to kind of uh, put them back in there essentially but I can yeah. tell you about all the mad shit they've done I can tell you what the costumes look like 
you know that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. like yeah. it's just that that's the gimmick you know now the gimmick's not going to work if the musical quality is not there to back it up it, it's that's like the gimmick has to be the doors are open now go digging and find some cool shit because it's yeah. there it can't be just on the it can't be a facade it's just not going to work you know it might work for a single fucking cheeky girls or something something stupid but then it's gone it's out you know it's left the building um, anyway that's weird 90s yeah I enjoyed this play- I think this is a great playlist I really uh, do yeah I mean it's definitely weird because that's what it, the way it was designed to be but it is a solid little know, playlist because like, you can't call this album alternative 90s because if you did that all people would think it would be like Nirvana uh, all yeah. the grunge stuff and you know even like the cult maybe as well 90s yeah. stuff from the cult uh, loads of stuff but this is the subversive word yeah like, definitely uh, um, avant-garde stuff yeah definitely there's, there's an arty farty element to all this bar maybe pretty fly for a white guy um, the rest of it still is definitely still a weird 90s song though, still, to be honest <laughs> still a weird fucking 90s song but I don't think it has artistic merit I think it's more of a joke song more of a novelty song um, but it's yeah. still fucking batshit mad uh, that was it folks you like what we do we got to patreon.com forward slash lost art podcast uh, you can sorry we're always tired as well but we can't listen, help we'll, we can't help it right now this, <laughs> everything's changing it's like we just moved to Mars and we're trying to figure it out right Spent 15 months doing whatever we wanted and now we actually have to work and try and keep up this podcast. If we were smart, we would have said we're taking a fucking two-month sabbatical, but we can't do that. We have to just go, 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 or else... Because if we take a two-month sabbatical, we'll probably never come back. Um, no. Have to go. Go, go, go. Figure it out. You know, um, all other podcasts take breaks, like seasonal yeah. breaks. Yeah, but they can go and show They've got money. <laughs> they've got money. We stopped doing our live show and lost a lot of Patreon people. It's yeah, just saying, just saying, just saying. Um, it happens, you know, it's fine, you don't have to fucking stay locked in there. But anyway, Patreon's five quid a month to get you access to all of our live show recordings and a bunch of exclusive podcasts and videos. If you don't want to do that, you got to kofi.com forward slash lost our podcast. The links are all here in the text body of the podcast. Do us a favour, uh, just write something about this one, will you? Because uh, we haven't got the time at the moment to be doing big mad posts and trying to oh, get gosh. people involved. It's just not really a thing. Will so, you just send this to one person? Yeah, we're relying on you to do a little bit of hype for us. All right, so uh, that would be great if you can that just a little great. bit of little bit of pump behind it, just a little bit of pump. Give it an extra. Before two one pumps. of us, before one of us has a heart attack, uh, or just fucking drifts off into the ocean, which is looking more and more likely for me. <laughs> I, honest to God, like there was a couple of nights there you where you can tell he's back in work this last yeah, week, lads. Um, <laughs> I was so fucking tired that I can't even sleep. Like, I get home from work and I'm like, oh my God, my whole body is aching. I, I took so much sulfidine last week that I might leave my body to science to see how I survived it. Like, it's shocking. But there was a couple of nights there where I got home from work and it's like half two in the morning and I got there at like 10 a.m. into work and literally my whole body's vibrating. Like, I'm so tired. And I get into bed and my body won't stop vibrating. And my legs were like walking in their sleep and everything. And there was a couple of times I was like, oh, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go out to Bull Island. I'm just going to walk into the sea. And uh, not like in a serious way, but I was like, I need to do something to like knock this fucking like, yeah. pain out myself. I need to do something so fucking outrageous that I'll never, ever do it again. I actually thought about going for a swim in the middle of the night in Bull Island. Like, 
I actually thought about that. Jesus, that's how people disappear. Yeah, but not like I'm going to go out far. Just like go in, dunk that's myself. I'm sure they don't imagine they were going to go out far. I, I maybe, but I honestly thought about it. Just going out, like get that like shock into me, and then every other time I get into bed and like can't sleep. So like, we're not going to Bull Island again, you prick. Will, will you do your family a favor and say somehow, even a text in the middle of the night, going, "I'm going for a swim in the middle of the night." Just so in That'd case be worse. Stay, yeah, probably would be worse. That'd be ten times worse. There'd be fucking ambulances <laughs> now pulling up and you'd be just sitting there like looking at the sea going, no, I just couldn't sleep. Um, no, you can't, no, you just, no, just do a fucking Manic Street Preachers, man. Just fucking disappear. That couldn't still live somewhere. Um, but no, I can't. I have to work. So uh, yeah. help help me do less work by joining our Patreon. And... Uh, We'll keep uh, pumping out delicious podcasts for you. Yeah. That's it. Uh, come into the pub if you live in Dublin. Just get on to me and I'll book you a table. And mm-hmm. uh, have a few points and a bit of crack until uh, fucking who knows what's going to happen in the future. That's it. See you That's later. It. Talk to you next Monday. It's been real, y'all. It's all been real, y'all. Good luck. <laughs>